0: Welcome to Teachings in the air. 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 Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkameenam Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound. Because that's what health means. Hello, this is Teachings in the Air with Jerry Oldman. Today my podcast is called "Huishdwi," which means let's go. Actually, I'm talking to myself, let's go. And I'm dedicating today's podcast to one of my relatives, my loved relatives that has gone to the spirit world. And he's the one that... Said to me one day in the 90s, Jerry, I, I don't want you to be a, wor- a warrior, I want you to be a warrior. So since that day, I've become a warrior for peace, for justice, anti-poverty, anti-suicide, for goodness, you know, for justice. You know, so actually this, you know, all my podcasts are based on my journey in life. Or when I ask guests to come about their journey in life. About our experiences. You know, so actually, you know, today is about Jerry on his journey to retrieve his spirit. Because remember, our spirit is what holds my body together, that it's my force of life, that when my spirit leaves my body to go back to the spirit world, my body's going to fall apart. So I had, I, I had to go through a process of spirit retrieval. You might ask, well, Jerry, who took your spirit? You know, How could they do that? But actually, it's they impacted it. They weakened it. And who's this they? I'm very conscious of how I speak today, and I do my best to be clear, to be authentic, to be accurate. And the they that I'm referring to in this podcast, of course, is um, what people call the colonizer than the lackeys of the colonizers. You know, we were um, oppressed, put down. Our very being was put down, our identity as a people. You know, as a baby, I was basically a pure human being just like all babies because we, we, you know, we didn't have a lived experience yet. You know, I absorbed everything coming through the air while I was in my mom and when I come out. I was told we absorbed everything like a sponge until we were six years of age, negative and positive. In an indigenous way, we were taught to be careful and sincere with our words when we're speaking to children or to other human beings because it goes into them and will have an impact on their life. So this oppression, actually what it was, was cruel and unjust treatment of individuals of communities of nations once a oppressor gained control gained power and believe me they were in love with power they wanted the resources of the territories we occupied and used for thousands of years So once they gained control or power, they you know they demanded strict obedience from us. Strict obedience. We were told how to live, how to parent. We lost our freedom, our way of life. And they created an identity for us of that we are inferior people, that there's something wrong with us. The very first created identity was that we were pagans, savages, heathens, because we did not know Christ, which is common sense. You know, we had our own practices, our own ways of maintaining our spirit. So once the power was gained by these newcomers, we were segregated. We were separated from every Canadian, put onto reservations, you know, with strict laws how to live there. learned to have the, the live a life of permission. The Indian agent said, "Yes, you can. No, you cannot." You know that oppression, cruel and unjust treatment. I often wondered how we could accept this as at the very beginning not knowing because, of course, I wasn't there, not knowing what my relatives were going through. Then if you said, no, you're not taking my children to residential school, the oppressors had the power to put you in jail for six months plus a fine of $50, which is a lot of money in that time. You know, that segregation by force, you know, that whole experience of enforced separation from the land we occupied and used and put onto tiny reservations And also being locked out of the economy. Being told when you can fish and when you can hunt and where. You know, that was totally foreign to my people. People started going to jail for hunting and fishing or for doing potlatch. I think of the way of life that I knew that we traded with other nations, other tribes in this country, from flint to salmon to ulgan grease to tanned deer hides, canoes, that we had an economy, an active economy, and were active participants. So that segregation had a powerful impact on our people. It's literally taken the power from a group of people and the individuals are impacted. So segregation happened. Tiny reservations. Residential schools. Indian day schools. They didn't want any part of us or the leadership anyway. I imagine there are a lot of good people, you know, that didn't mind, you know, and interacted with our people. So the segregation was, uh, along with it, was uh, forced assimilation. And assimilation means a gradual absorption of one society into another, which in this case was not true. They didn't want to have us absorbed into their society. But what the assimilation they were doing was taking away the power. Our language is power in language. It guides us. It's principles of how to live, how to be with each other. Assimilation into eating their style of food that became toxic for us, it started to harm our bodies till this day. Assimilate us into Christianity ceremony. Our ceremonies were outlawed. Our governance, our way of governing ourselves. We're assimilated into Canadian style of Majority rule, Indian Act, democracy. And the result of that for myself was to lower my expectations to, you know, there's limits to what I can do when I cannot do, where I can go, you know, what I can have. And the big part of it was becoming passive. because of the overwhelming numbers of people against us. And we were weakened by smallpox and other pandemics. Really. Probably, I don't know how many years it took to recover from that. Maybe we're still in recovery. We started to live a life where our future was determined by Ottawa, the Indian Act, the Minister of Indian Affairs, people living far away from us making decisions of how we're to live. And messages constantly coming through the air that our ways are, are inferior. That we do not deserve anything better than what we were getting. Being taught that we didn't have rights to fish and to hunt the way we used to, or to parent. So this segregation and assimilation, we're actually becoming institutionalized. You know, when you're told when to wake up, when to go to sleep, when, when to do this, when to do that, you're institutionalized. When you live that life, you accept that life. And I lived that life. And in these institutions, they embedded into me, they put into me that our way was inferior, that our way had no value. You know those institutions? It's very oppressive. There were very strict authoritarian laws, racist laws. It's compulsory for us to be Christian. They outlawed the potlatch, the sundance, our spiritual practices. So being institutionalized, you start to lose your independence and you wait for the order. Growing up in this, I started to not have enthusiasm or excitement for education. Or for my life. My life became hateful. So that's what happened. My spirit was taken. Nobody asked. I wanted to be a Christian or if I wanted to go to residential school, any of those things that other human beings had in Canada. So I suffered. I became addicted. I thought negative, acted negative, behaved negative. Didn't feel I had a future. Then of course like the <laughs> I heard so many people say I hit the bottom there's nowhere else to go but up so I started to go up. I had that experience too. Came to me there's time for me to uplift my spirit and find joy and beauty in life. To heck with this negativity. <laughs> I actually had those kinds of thoughts. Started to break through the limitations that I felt were real, that there were chains holding me down, but they were planted years ago, even before I was born, these limitations became intergenerational. We believed that we didn't have the rights. I believed I didn't have the rights. For me to uplift my spirit and take it back, I had to break through those limitations and overcome my fears. To learn how to use my voice. To question. To not accept. To agree. Not agree. And of course, to do that, I had to develop my inner strength. To rediscover that what my dad told, taught me is I can do it. I don't want to hear you say, I can't do it, Dad. Say, I can do it, I can figure it out. So to, to get my spirit back, I, I started to develop my inner strength. And I was so lucky to to have teachers help me do that. Uh, I started now, I was on the road to live the indigenous way, to live the power of love, that power of commitment to myself and to other human beings. Not about the love of power, to have power over other people, to dictate to people, to force people to have those power control issues. Once I developed that inner strength, I started to take, to take action to improve my situation in life. I started to use the gift of listening. You know, when I started to listen, I could tell the difference between negative and positive. And I started to hear the beauty I started to hear the common sense. I started to hear the voices of reason. Beautiful gift at listen, listening. I remember I was told in some, one of the circles, that I've been in many circles, this one facilitator said, it's dangerous not to listen. Because you might miss a teaching that could save your life or enhance your life or to save your friends' and relatives' lives or to enhance their lives. And I was—I started to learn that the highest form of respect we can give another human being is to listen to them. Then I learned the gift of affection. Oh, I had that throughout my life and at times I didn't recognize it. People care for me. I started to feel the affection coming through the air from people that weren't family that would say to me, No, Jerry, I love you. Oh, I used to be nervous when people would say that to me, you know. And then I started to appreciate it that gift of affection. I learned the gift of laughter, to laugh at myself when I make a mistake, to learn from it, to laugh with others. It's an indigenous gift, this gift of laughter and humor. I learned the gift of generosity, to give, not to be afraid to share and to give, not to hoard things or to be greedy. I was taught that when you give away, it'll come back to you. Then I learned the gift of silence and solitude. Because before that, even when I'm sleeping, my mind was noisy and unsettled. I grind my teeth at night, wake myself making, wake up, wake myself up making noises, nightmares. In a crowd of people, you know, even if it's silent, my mind was busy. This was actually the beginning of developing my inner strength was going into solitude when I was put on the mountain and being by myself for four days and four nights, looking at myself, looking at my life, Two days, the first two days, my mind was just busy chattering and I was just questioning and doubting why am I doing this? This is stupid. Why did you agree to do this? Leave. You don't have to do this, you know. My mind was fighting me. But after I accepted it, that I'm doing this, I empowered myself, saying I am doing this to better my life, to better myself. It was then I could hear life around me. It wasn't actually silent. I remember hearing the buzz of a bumblebee going around my lodge. The business of it. I could hear the birds. I could hear the wind in the trees. That's a gift. I started to enjoy that. And still today, enjoy that. And of course, the biggest gift I have is that I am indigenous. That I come from a beautiful people. That had a beautiful way of life. You know, I learned that all healing starts with change. That I need to change myself. That no one can do this for me. People could inspire me, could motivate me, can help me, but I am the one that makes a decision. Once I accepted that, I started to plan my life, started to live for the day and for the future. Being passive was no longer me. Now I wanted to do something to be part of the solution, not part of the problem for me and my community, my family. I now was going to determine my future, at least have dreams of what I want to accomplish, what I want to do in the future. When I was a drinking, drugging man, my only future was to get the drugs and the booze. That's not a good plan. It, doesn't, it didn't do me any good. So I had to cast off feelings, the feelings of being inferior. That identity that was created for, for me, for our people, was that we were inferior people, that there was something wrong with us. I had to cast that off. I did. And I seen the beauty of my people's way of life. When that, I accomplished that, then I started to say, I deserve goodness. It was time then to uplift my spirit and find joy and beauty in life to break through the limitations put on me. And this is about, you know, really getting my power back, my spirit back, was accepting my identity of being Stathlium and that it's good it's powerful. It's beautiful. Once I'd done that, I started to behave in an indigenous way. Have respect for life givers, for elders, for children, for babies, for all of life. Doing my best at it started to feel good about myself and life. You know, regardless of the, what was going on, what, what the federal governments were saying and doing and not doing, breaking promises, you know, <laughs> regardless of all, you know, the stuff that goes on even till today, I I still feel good about myself and life. I do get stressed out to hear about diabetes, COVID, suicide, all of the impacts of someone stealing our spirit. So regardless of all the racism and different things, you know, I, I, I enjoy life today. And I achieved that by actively seeking support, going out looking for it, not waiting for it, signing up for workshops, looking for elders to listen to, to teach me. You know, in a respectful way, I went out looking for help, and it was there. And it seemed to come even faster once I accepted that, Teachers were in my own backyard, or traveling, I would run into them. So I looked for support, and I found it. Then I started to hang out with people that lived Indigenous laws and principles. (laughs) One of my uncles said to me, Jerry, you hang out with the crows, you're going to get shot. Of course, the crows were in the cornfield or in the garden, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And I... uh, Learn to hang out with positive people, helpful people, compassionate people. So my road to freedom, I, I started to identify and to see what I needed to be free. I sat down I wrote, I write in journals, I made vision boards, and I started to see, started to have the vision, to see what was holding me back, what was putting me down, what I needed to do. Once I seen this, I developed a burning desire to have a good life, to be successful to do my best to be successful at everything I do. You know, I'm definitely not perfect, you know, telling you this. I still have that burning desire, and I still have changes to make in my life, but I am on the road. I have a vivid vision of what I want to do, of my purpose in life that I'm here for the people and for Mother Earth. I had to maintain myself, my mind, my body, and my spirit, so I could be consistent in the pursuit of my vision, of my purpose. You know, maintaining myself by disciplining myself Learning ways to do that. I remember one of my elders gave me a discipline stick and told me to carry it. You know, wherever I go, you have that stick. If you leave it behind, you have to carry it for an extra day. <laughs> I carried that stick, I don't know how long, but I know it was longer than I was supposed to. I was learning self-discipline. You know that maintaining myself is so important to look after my mind, my body, and my spirit every day, 24-7, to the best of my ability. I started to take, learn how to take risks, to do things that, you know, was out of my comfort zone. <laughs> One of my first ones was to quit drinking. I'd tell people, hey, I quit drinking. Of course, <laughs> many of my friends and relatives wanted me to continue. But I took that risk and I told them, and I told people, I finally beat it and I... Publicly told my whole community at a meeting, I quit drinking. You guys don't give it to me anymore. I quit. I learned how to take risks. And I'm glad for it. And I still need to do it more. I don't know if it's more or to do as needed, but I still am working on that. One of my big learnings was to be generous. You know, I still falter at that. One of the teachings i I was told was, when somebody tells you they like something you have, give it to them." So I started doing that. Then I'd have things, no, I don't want to give this." <laughs> you know so I learned to and I say, "Well, I'd like to give you this, but it's a family heirloom now, and passed on to one of my children. So that's okay. That's acceptable to me. But generally speaking, if someone says I have something they like it, I'll give it to them. I learned to be generous, but also generous in listening. People speak to me, I'll listen. And I'll be honest, if I don't have the energy to, or I'm tired, or I'm not not at this time, sorry. Which, you know, is the best thing to do. I am generous with my time when I have the energy. As I age, my energy is not like it used to be. I also became compassionate. Not a bystander anymore, but compassionate, which means a willing participant with other people's suffering. I didn't know my parents were pushing me to this, to be compassionate. They would tell me to go to funerals, to go help, to go stand with those people, because they stood with us when we lost one of our relatives. That's compassion, being an active participant with my friends and relatives that were grieving. That compassion to care for other people's lives. I know it's difficult. So many people suffering. Like this time of COVID. But we do what we can We don't give everything away, you know, all at once, but we do what we can. I do what I can. With that compassion, you know, I learned to have an attitude of gratitude. Because I would follow that teaching of being generous and people would lose someone and I would go give them resources to help them through that time. You know, one day, one of my relatives, my mom, left to the spirit world, and all of a sudden, those people were there. Here, Jerry, we're returning your love that you gave to us. Oh, I remember that happened, but the healing tears that were coming from my eyes. And my gratitude that I felt for them was intense, believe me. It showed me at a deeper level the meaning of being generous and being compassionate. And that's indigenous way. To freedom of getting my spirit back one of the best journeys of my life because of that I could see beauty feel beauty understand be an active participant learn patience learn to be part of I identify what I need today, what I don't need. I make decisions. I live my life. And by doing that, I developed for myself guidelines to live by. First off, I learned to accept myself as I am. You know, to because I, I was really unhappy with even the way I looked or I sounded or the way I acted when I didn't have my power. I carried a lot of shame about myself, body shame, thinking shame, identity shame. When I accept myself, okay, this is Jerry. I even used to worry about how I chant and sing in handrum because I just love it. It's just so good to me that I would even doubt that and be uptight and nervous when I'm going to sing. Now that I accept myself, that <laughs> I used to worry so much, I'm not going to sing this right, I'm not going to do this song right, and I accepted one day that I'm going to do it Jerry way. It probably upset some people. But some elders told me, beautiful elders, said, no, Jerry, we're happy that you're doing it. Carry on. Because when I first heard the critics, and I, my imagination today says they are self-appointed police to watch to make sure you sing right. <laughs> you know, the elders were saying, no, Jerry. They'd laugh, and they were laughing with joy when I would sing. So I carried on. Accepted myself. And I learned to set realistic goals. You know, I set goals for myself that were unrealistic, and when I failed, I'd beat myself up. Started to learn that one step at a time, one day at a time, that that teaching of I myself can eat a moose all by myself, but it's one bite at a time. That's realistic. So I started to be realistic with my goals. You know, one of my, when I became a people worker, one of my first goals was that I want to be a good facilitator. Because my trainers and addictions were indigenous. Not all of them, but most of them. Nietzsche. Oh, they were good. I said, I want to be good like that. (laughs) (laughs) Then I started to set higher goals. I said, no, I wanted to be one of the best in the province of B.C. Once I set those goals, I start to work towards them to learn tools, to develop tools, to watch good facilitators, to learn from them. Then one day I said, no, I want to be the best in Canada you might think this is a vanity thing. That wouldn't be shoot to show off to people. When I was younger, there was part of that there. But embedded in me was that indigenous way of help the people. So it motivated me and pushed me. I remember and I set the goal of running a marathon, a full marathon, 42 kilometers. You know, it was a lot of training for me to do that, to make it. But that's a realistic goal, but I had to do it by training. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, to cover that distance. So I had to be realistic. <laughs> then I started to take risks. I'd tell people, yeah, I want to run a marathon. That's a risk. And in a way, it motivated me, because if they asked me, hey, Jerry, how'd do you do that marathon? I'd have to say, hey, I didn't do it, and tell them my excuse <laughs> if I had one. <laughs> I started to take risks and ask people and talk to people, listen to people. Except to do work that I felt that I shouldn't be doing, our presentations, or workshops. I started to take risks. To be able to do that, I had to love myself, which means I had to be committed to Jerry. I don't know if you heard me in other podcasts telling people love is not a feeling, it's a commitment. A consistent commitment will create beautiful vibes between people, beautiful feelings of affection and trust and respect. When you're consistent in your commitment to be good, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be strong. I started to be committed to my development, to my health to my life. Of course, there's lots of little failures in there, you know, some pretty major too. But I pick myself up and keep going. One of the biggest guidelines for me to keep my spirit was how I communicated, how I listened and spoke. I'm still learning. I still want to be an excellent master communicator. And I work at it day in and day out. Try and make myself clear. Be honest, be truthful, be respectful. And uh, you know that. Guideline that. They're all important. But the one that resonates for me right now, sitting here talking to you, is that whole art of forgiveness. To forgive myself, first off, for my mistakes and the harms I've done, and to forgive others that harmed me. Really opened the door to my spirit coming home, being inside Jerry again, totally. I believe that. As long as I was angry and hateful to individuals in this life, they had part of my spirit with them. They had control of my life. Once I let them go, my spirit became intact at a different level. You know, on this... Journey, I learned that wellness starts with change. And remember, wellness is an act of pursuit of making your mind, body, and spirit strong and sound and beautiful. It all starts with change. First off, I changed my mind many times. Not drinking alcohol is a change of mind. Not doing drugs, not swearing, you know, All my own personal changes. I'm not telling you to be this way. I'm telling you what happened with Jerry. I I turned negative thinking to positive thinking. Not to be such a big critic. Physically, I changed by accepting my body. I had this vision of what it is to be handsome, what it is to be good, but I accepted my body... I still struggle with that because of the abuse I went through. One of my daily struggles, probably. But for the most part, I accept it. This is Jerry's body. This is me. I'm taking care of it the best I can. In regards to my spirit, I reclaimed my Stetlium spirit. I'm Stetlium. With a mixture of, allegedly, of Spanish and Irish, but I'm Stetlium. Spirit. And that means to be generous, to be respectful, to be kind, to be an ally, tie myself to people, be with people. And in regards to my emotions, the feelings that rise up in me, I started to take responsibility for my feelings. It's me, it's my feelings. I shouldn't expect you to have my feelings. I'm going to empower you by letting you have your feelings. Oh, that's a big learning for me. You know, what fostered the negative emotions in me was blame, blaming people. Blaming the government, blaming the church. Yes, they had responsibilities in the day, but today they're not saying that. They might still look like it. They might still talk like it, but they're not, it's not enforced like it used to be. So blame. I want to find solutions. No one to waste time blaming anymore. And also, that change, I started to make sure my boundaries are clear. For instance, around drinking. There's no alcohol in my house. Whatever house I go to live in, there will be no alcohol. Which is my choice. It's my life. I'm not, telling you, I'm not telling you not to live this way, but I'm telling you on my journey, that's my boundary. Because I hurt myself and I hurt people when I consumed alcohol. So I make my boundaries clear. Do my best to live. You know that my boundaries are healthy. That they're all about harmony, peace, the beauty way of life. So, doing this, of course, I learned to say hello to my problems and say goodbye to them. You've heard me say this probably over and over again, and I'll keep saying it because it makes so much sense to me. So, the ultimate outcome of retrieving my spirit. I can really hoistwi or nashmin or khoi. I can go for it. The ultimate outcome is I have a good quality life today. I eat good food. Every once in a while, I'll (laughs) be a junk food junkie and have a greasy burger or something, you know. But I have a good quality of life my boundaries define me. It lets people know what is acceptable to me, which is okay because I, you know, like attracts like, so I hang out with the same kind of people the way that people think, like me. Or we have the same kind of attitude about life. Because attitude is we're acting and thinking, acting and behaving how we think, talking how we think. Because of those boundaries, of course, I end up with people that think like me or have the same kind of thoughts and beliefs. So once I took control of my spirit, and you know, that was such a beautiful time, you know, that um, showed people how I wanted to be treated. Of course, it doesn't always happen. There's racists out there that still um, stereotype me, still discriminate against me. But they don't own me. And I'll let them know, hey, I don't appreciate the way you're treating me, the way you're talking to me. And leave it at that. I realized that I have no freedom as long as I blame someone or something outside of myself. That i always have this anger, fear, or depression. And I don't want that. I had enough of it. So I started to take charge of my life. I'm the driver now for my life. Not for your life or anybody else's life, but for Jerry's life. I took charge. I opened up. I no longer swallowed my emotions. Oh my gosh, and I think of all the times I swallowed my emotions of love and affection. Those wasted beautiful opportunities of appreciation for each other because i swallowed it because i'm too shy or i'm too ashamed or or my thought that you'll think i'm weird you know when i changed myself i stopped swallowing those emotions because when you swallow anger it goes into it went into my body it would show in my furrow and my forehead you know in my just above my nose there and get a deep furrow or clenching my jaw or turning my back on you. When I, and I wasn't brave enough to say, hey, I disagree with you, I don't like what you said or what you've done. When I swallowed those emotions, it stayed in my body, and my muscle structure. Once I opened up, and I realized that I cannot do that every, with every human being, but when I know the ones that I can, I can open up and share my feelings with them, that it's safe for me, safe for them, I'll do it. I know the difference today. Once I changed myself, I started to achieve my vision of my life, of a good healthy life, prosperous, enjoying beauty of music, of nature, of people, of wonderful books to read, stories to watch, dances to see, oh, so much beauty. You know, by doing this spirit retrieval, it's like making a commitment to live in the present, not to be stuck in the past negativity. I look at the past, the beauty, the beauty way of Stetlium people. I look at that and I hear other people's story of their beauty. I look at that. I don't look at the past to look for the negativity. Because I want to live in the present. I want to live for now, for today. And believe me, that's an everyday struggle. There's always something that will come nattering at my mind. I become a critic again. Myself, I'm my biggest critic. You know, because of retrieving my spirit, I achieved a lot of my goals. and all a lot of it in the face of opposition, of silent messages. No, you cannot do that. That's wrong that you're doing that. It's not good being a pagan. (laughs) You know, I, I tell people today, I'm a pagan and I'm proud of it, which means I don't follow Christ. As a man asked me, do you believe in Christ? I said, yes, I believe there was a Christ. But I know there was a Buddha and there was a Mohammed and there's other spiritual leaders they're all there, but I just simply practice the steadily way. <laughs> you know, so there's always going to be critics and people that oppose me. But because I have my spirit, I can carry on. I have come to realize now it's going to take more than racism to beat Jerry take more than residential schools to beat Jerry more than colonization to beat Jerry I now own my life and choose to the best of my ability to live according to our laws and principles of indigenous people I've bragged over and over again how, you know, we didn't have extinction the way we have extinction today when we're here by ourselves in Turtle Island. I believe that. I believe it was our laws and principles that allowed that, that whole idea of seven generations from now, they're going to have salmon the way I have salmon today. They're going to have food that I have, water that I have is in me. I believe that. And I want to, I do what I can to spread that message. That we must discipline and police ourselves how we live on Mother Earth. That Mother Earth has a spirit that holds it together too. And we must not you know, I don't know how to say it, abuse that spirit to be authoritarian, to be, you know, oppressive, to be cruel. So that's my story of spirit retrieval. And I started out singing our grieving song, our letting go song, Dedicating this podcast to my relative, and by doing that, I'm acknowledging all of my relatives in the spirit world. They all had a part to do in my life. The ones a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, they had a part in my life. That's why I'm here today. And I believe they were empowered. They had their own spirit. and They had their boundaries and their way of life. And that's what I want today for myself. And realize, you know, that it's for myself. But I'd like to share, and maybe you'll get something from this to help you with your life. That's how I learned by examples of others that would tell me. I don't know how many times I was told, you must forgive, Jerry. And I resisted for so many years. So we can do this. We can do spirit retrieval. And if you need help, don't feel bad about it. I had a lot of people help me on my journey to get my power back in a respectful manner, in a loving manner, in an indigenous way. So I wish you, um, you know, we're hitting the third wave here, so you take care. Take care of yourself so others don't have to suffer. That's being indigenous. When we don't take care of ourselves and our relatives see that they suffer, they worry for us. But this one is way more serious because we can bring suffering to them if we're not careful. And we go out, we don't have the vaccination. We can go out and bring home to our elders and to our children and to others this virus. So take care of your spirit. Take care of your mind. Take care of your body and learn to be emotional. When you feel, you heal. So I'd just like to thank you for listening to this podcast and wish you a wonderful spring and summer. I got my plants. are now in the soil inside the house getting ready to pop out. When they come out good and strong, I'm going to put them in the ground. Corn, beans, and squash. <laughs> so don't forget to empower others by listening to them, being generous of them, accepting their generosity, and letting them do what they can, do what they do best. I've learned that to step aside. Mm. Someone can come in and do it a nice job. And even if I can do a nice job, it's good to include people to be inclusive. That's being indigenous. So, we. Let's go. kill killam. You know that... You know that... Um, let's go for goodness. You know that... Um, in Glackman, we a good way of life, our way of life. Let's go for that. Nash, mean, let's go for it. So those are the thoughts that I wanted to share with you today. And again, I just wish you prosperity, safety, love, all of the things that come in the pure way. Thank you.